Listen to more episodes of this podcast earlier than everybody else and ad-free when you sign up for Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service that's audience-supported, featuring more than 130 top-tier educational creators focusing on making content for you and not for an algorithm. Sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe to support the podcast and get more eye-opening content. Hello there. Let me start this off with a little story. It's a story about the first video I ever uploaded to YouTube. I've told this story before, so if you've heard it, you can, you know, keep listening because I'm a great storyteller. Okay, so it was like 2006. Um, it was 2007. Anyway, I had, um, oh, hang on, let me go back. So I, I did, um, wait. Now, as many of you know, I dabble in filmmaking, and back in the early aughts, I made a movie called Oceanfront Property, and part of doing the whole indie filmmaking thing is that you gotta go to film festivals. Well, at the time, we're talking 2005 or so, um, there were services online where you could upload your project to various film festivals and stuff, but in order to send them a trailer or uh, clips from the film, you had to just put it in an email, and to get it small enough in size so that it would fit on an email, you had to compress it down really small. It was about postage stamp size, and, and, and you had to make it like five frames a second. It was horrible. And yeah, it sucked because you put all this time and effort into this trailer. This was the thing that was supposed to make people want to watch your movie, and then you had to just like just destroy it and make it look as horrible as possible. As, a, as an artist, it was, it was physically painful. And then this new thing came out online. And with this, you could just upload your video to that site, and then it would just store it there on that site, and all you have to do is send a link in an email to these people, and they could click on it and watch it on YouTube in glorious 480i quality. It was actually a huge step up at the time. So, yeah, I opened up a YouTube account, and that's when I started my YouTube channel, and that's what led us to where we are right now. But yeah, YouTube was a game changer. YouTube and Vimeo and Dailymotion and the like, they set the stage for online streaming services like Netflix and Apple TV and Disney Plus and all those that have completely upended the entire media landscape. A similar tectonic media shift happened in the 80s with VCR. For the first time, you could record something and then just watch it whenever you wanted to. Up until then, if you weren't in front of your TV when the thing happened, you missed the thing. The VCR freed up people's lives and gave people a way to save moments that are important to them for posterity. I mean, how many of you have parents with shelves full of old VHS tapes that can't even be played anymore? But for one person, the urge to record things became a 35-year obsession. An obsession that has created a priceless media archive. Marion Stokes bought a VCR and began recording TV shows on it in 1977. And she never stopped recording them until her death in 2012. Over 35 years of never-ending recording, she amassed over 40,000 videotapes, equaling 840,000 hours of content. They included everything from local shows to national news stories to commercials. So when people began to hear about this collection after she died, it wasn't surprising to hear her being labeled as crazy or weird. But, as Dennis Hopper's character in Speed once said, Poor people are crazy, Jack. I'm eccentric. Once again, I'm sorry if my movie references are too new for you, yeets. Marion Stokes would qualify as eccentric. She was rich. She had strong opinions about media and technology. And she was obsessive. Now look, we all have our obsessions. I'm sure many of you have been called a geek or worse for having gone down rabbit holes and getting all wrapped up in some tiny little thing that you just, for whatever reason, are super into. Maybe you collect baseball cars, maybe you collect Beanie Babies, maybe you collect Star Wars memorabilia, or airplane sick bags, whatever. 
Look, if it makes you happy, great. Do you, boo. But what if it starts to take over your life? What if you start to lose living space to it? What if it strains your relationships? At this point is where somebody might be called a hoarder. But let's get real for a second. Sometimes the difference between a hoarder and a collector is based on things like gender, social class, and wealth. I mean, for example, an institution that collects items can be just as irrational as a single individual that collects items. So yeah, the word obsessive can be used to shame or label people. But what if that obsession can be used for the greater good? In the case of Marion Stokes, that's exactly what she was trying to do. Marion Stokes was a former librarian who worked for the Free Library of Philadelphia from the 1940s to the early 1960s. She also engaged in several civil rights issues. For example, she helped organize buses for the 1963 Civil Rights March on Washington, D.C. She was also the Philadelphia chair for the Fair Play for Cuba Committee in the 1960s, fought for integrating Girard College for Boys, and was a founding board member of the National Organization for Women. Another way she helped promote social and civil rights issues was a show that she ran with her husband, John Stokes Jr., called Input. It was a weekly panel discussion series that ran on a CBS affiliate in Philadelphia from 1968 to 1971, and it focused on social topics including activists, clergy, and scholars as panelists. Some of the guests during its run included folk singer Pete Seeger, psychiatrist John Fryer, and physicist William Davidson. And I think it was this belief in the power of television that drove her to do all the things that we're about to talk about. Stokes was a voracious note-taker and diarist, and she loved making lists of things. Um, you could say she just enjoyed documenting stuff. To an extreme, which is why she qualifies as a hoarder. For example, she amassed over 50,000 books in her collection, and she also had multiple copies of everything that Apple ever produced. Yeah, she was like one of the first Apple fanboys, and she talked all of her family into buying stock when it was only $7 a share. Her assistant, Frank Hilleman, estimated that she read 11 newspapers a day, and she never threw any of them away. In order to house all these collections of hers, she had nine homes and three storage facilities. According to her son, Michael Milidis, in 2019, he said, quote, She had been collecting books and newspapers for most of her life, but the television thing really took off from the 1979 Iranian hostage crisis. That was when she became obsessed with the way stories were reported and how they changed. I was 18 at the time, and it struck me as strange, but my mother was strange for her whole life. She was kind of considered an eccentric local celebrity in Philadelphia. She only ever left her house to record those input shows, and then she would go to the bar to have a martini once a day. She stepped back from Republic activism in the 1960s out of privacy concerns, but she still wanted to find a way to keep everybody informed about what was going on. And that took the form of taking television. She wanted to capture it all. As her son said, it was the Iranian hostage crisis that really set her off and put her into this recording frenzy. She didn't believe the news broadcasters and the stories that they were telling. She was convinced that the early facts did not line up with what they were saying later on. So she started recording so that she could have concrete evidence that the story was changing. And then she never stopped. This soon became a 24-7 obsession. She had multiple TVs recording multiple channels in every room of her house. And she always insisted on using VHS tapes because she thought that digital content could be accessed or tracked. And if you're wondering how difficult it would be to live with somebody like this, yeah, it, it, it's as bad as it sounds. In the interview I mentioned earlier, her son talked about how he, he admired her for her encyclopedic mind, but it was a double-edged sword. She would see connections between things that nobody else would, he said, but that could come at the cost of her emotional relationships. He also said, quote, the bizarre arc of my mother's life is compelling, but it was difficult to live in. And Stokes captured some amazing world events in the 35 years that she was recording everything. Here's just some of the highlights. The Iran-Contra affair, the police bombing of the MOVE commune in Philadelphia, the Gulf War, 
Magic Johnson's announcement that he was HIV positive. Sinead O'Connor ripping up a photo of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. U.S. President Bill Clinton's impeachment and the shooting of Trayvon Martin. When it came to 9-11, she documented that CNN was the first news organization to, to break the news, followed by CBS and ABC, with Fox coming in last. And Stokes could actually watch two TVs at once and pay attention to both of them at the same time. At night, she would put in six-hour videos to record while she was sleeping and then would wake up first thing in the morning and, and trade out the, the videotapes. If she couldn't be there, she would have one of her family members do it. She would even end dinners at restaurants early so that she could go home and change all the tapes. And when she became too old to keep up with the pace of all the changing out of video cassettes and everything, she hired an assistant, Frank, to help her out with it. When visitors would ask why her house was filled with TVs and VCRs running on a constant loop, she would just say, I'm archiving. Marion Stokes died at 83 years old on December 14th, 2012. And for the first time in 35 years, the recording stopped. If they hadn't stopped that day, just a few hours later, they would have captured footage of the Sandy Hook shooting. Her son would later say, quote, I remember being very grateful that that wasn't the last news she saw. For nearly half her life, Marion Stokes put everything else aside so that she could archive and record everything that happened in the world. It gave her life a bit of a, a rhythm and a purpose. And a deep abiding belief guided all of that, that someday somebody would find this useful. Enter the Internet Archive. The Internet Archive is a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a free internet library. In fact, they've been recording national TV news since 2000 in digital formats to create a searchable archive. According to Roger McDonald, a librarian for the Internet Archive, quote, television has been our most pervasive and persuasive medium, but we've never really had much of a pause and rewind button on our experience of it to reflect back on television news, to compare and contrast and mine it for knowledge. McDonald heard about Stokes' collection and he emailed her son for more information. Now, they have taken on huge collections before, but in the 100 and 200 tape range, this was a whole other thing. He saw value in this collection because a lot of old uh, TV news programs were not saved by the news stations. They would use the same tapes and record over them to save money. So despite having no idea how to manage all those tapes, he decided to take on this archive and do something with it. The tapes were sent to the Internet Archive storage facility in Richmond, California in 2013 and 2014, and it cost the Stokes estate $12,000 just to ship them. And the Internet Archive is working on digitizing these tapes to this very day, and it's gonna take a while. Yeah, each tape has to be loaded into a machine by a person to be digitized, and you can't digitize it 2x speed. You have to do it in real time. So this is 35 years of video on multiple stations. So. It's gonna take a while. But the hope is that when it's all said and done, it will be able to give people a sense of historical sweep and be able to put news events into context. Not to mention give context to how news is reported and how we react to the way that news is reported. So all of that is great, and hopefully we'll get exactly that from it, but it still came from a pretty dark place when you think about it. Because in addition to being a hoarder and a collector and an activist, she was also paranoid. Again, that's why she recorded everything on VHS tapes. She thought that digital tapes could be, you know, accessed in some way, and she was convinced that the FBI was spying on her. Which maybe she felt that way because back when she was more politically active, they, they were spying on her, so there's that. And it's interesting that somebody who valued privacy so much would find her collection on the internet, which has not been great for privacy. Consider this. There are approximately 1.82 billion websites worldwide containing up to 44 zettabytes of data. For example, in 2019, more than 500 hours of video were uploaded to YouTube every minute. That's about 30,000 hours of content per hour. 
And most of that data, maybe all of it, is very easily retrieved. That embarrassing photo that you thought you deleted off of Twitter or Facebook years ago, it's still out there somewhere. So when Stokes had this opinion that TV news was ruining people's minds, um, you could say she was ahead of the game on that. You know, we're super polarized right now with all of us kind of living in echo chambers that simply reflect back to us our own worldviews. This isn't something that just happened. This has been going on for a long time, which of course has only been exacerbated by the birth of the internet. But the Stokes Archive and others like it give us the ability to look back in time at the forces that changed our opinions over time and guided our worldviews and gives us a lens through which we can understand how we got to where we are. Which, I think, is what Marion was hoping for that whole time. So, Marion, good show, old chap. But you know what? If you're going to be stuck in your house all day long for 35 years recording stuff, you might want to make sure you have some good food to eat. So, in that case, I can recommend today's sponsor, HelloFresh. Not only does HelloFresh deliver farm-fresh food to your door so you never have to go out shopping for it, they give you everything you need to prepare chef-curated meals that'll knock your socks off. Like, that's what's great about it, is that even if you can't cook very well, um, they give you very simple instructions that you can follow, so it tastes as good as anything that you might get in a restaurant, for way less money. In fact, it's less money than it would cost for you to go and buy all these ingredients at the store, and it's, and it's better quality ingredients because they buy directly from farmers. And I appreciate that they ship their food in recycled paper packaging to cut down on plastic waste. So if you haven't tried a meal subscription service like HelloFresh, I do definitely recommend it because uh, it's something that my wife and I have really enjoyed doing. You know, we put on some music, we pour some wine, cook up some food. It's become a nice little, little ritual that we have together. So if you want to see what it's all about, HelloFresh is offering you guys 12 free meals if you sign up at the link down below and use the promo code JoeScott12 at sign up. So yeah, go to HelloFresh.com and enter JoeScott12 to get 12 free meals and that includes free shipping. Alright, thanks to HelloFresh for supporting this video and a huge shout out to the Patreon supporters, the answer files on Patreon that are helping get the lights on, helping me grow a team, and just being awesome, forming a little great community. I, I love you guys. There's some new names we need to murder real quick. We've got Andrew Day Tesla, uh, Hidden, I just said Hidden, uh, Scott Sibson, Matthew Dull, Andrew PNJJJ Moffitt, <laughs> Simon Hunt, Gary Gomez, Aaron Alfinger, uh, Kevin Reynolds, Brendan Goyer, BCME, Alec Picard, Lucas Hartsrow, Stacy Sita, David and Sarah Delgado, Meat Popsicle, Fry Nexus, and Madri Pizer. I think I got that right. Thank you guys so much. If you would like to join them, get early access to videos, exclusive live streams, and all kinds of cool stuff, you can go to patreon.com slash answerswithjoe. Please like and share this video if you liked it, and if this is your first time here, Google thinks you'll like this one, and as Marion Stokes knows, they're watching you. Uh, but you might like that. You might like any of the others that are recommended down there that have my face on them. And if you do enjoy them, I invite you to subscribe. I'll come back with videos every Monday. And that's it for now. You guys go out there, have an eye-opening rest of the week. Stay safe, and I'll see you next Monday. Love you guys. Take care.